0: Hello, my name is Gregory Brown. I work for UPS and I'm the director of R&D. And for me, I believe automation is change. Automation will allow you to do things today that you couldn't do before. And as you bring on change with automation, it opens up your capabilities to meet your customer demands and or uh, solve problems again today that were not possible before. So automation to me is change.
1: Hello and welcome to this is automation. I am your host Corey Dallas. Today we have a very exciting guest with us. We have Gregory Brown from UPS. Gregory is the director of R and D for the Advanced Technology Group at UPS. He's been with UPS for over twenty years and is helping define key technologies for the future, like robotics, AI, and machine learning. Thank you very much for joining us, Greg.
0: Glad to be here. Thanks for the invite.
1: So, you know, as we get started, um, I wanted to give everybody a little bit of context to your background, kind of where you come from. Uh, Can you just give us a a quick introduction to yourself?
0: Well, as as mentioned, I've been with UPS for uh, more than 20 years. This is my 25th year at UPS. And I've had the opportunity over those years to work on a lot of different uh, things for UPS. My background is in computer and electrical engineering. And over the course of my years, I spent a lot of time uh, during that time working on high speed software solutions for sortation uh, for inside of our automated facilities. I've worked on various uh, applications for uh, allowing uh, dynamic control of our sorting environments in terms of uh, sort plan editors. I've worked in from an electrical standpoint, the design of our facilities, from electrical controls, and, and all those things that go into creating the ecosystem for automation to operate in a very effective way. Uh, and recently, I'm in a strategy group, but leading up to this point, I've spent a number of years in automation from all different aspects, uh, controls, software, automation of all kinds, and now it's all kind of, coming together as I am now in a strategy group looking at how we can bring technologies like robots, automation, AI, new facility designs together in one concept coupled with our plan to go after or really improve our smart logistics network as a whole.
1: Excellent. So can you talk about when you were first introduced to this this technology? You mentioned you have a background in, in, in computer engineering and elect- electrical engineering. Uh, when did you first get exposed to some of these advanced technologies like automation, robotics, AI, machine learning?
0: Well, I've been with UPS again 25 years, and I would say 1999 is when I started working on automation. Uh, So high-speed camera systems, uh, sortation systems. So from 1999 until now, uh, I'm very involved in automation as a whole. So 21 about 21 years, Uh, and then along the way, as we try to solve more complex problems, we we look at the latest uh, state of art in terms of technology. So as you know, there is a uh, focus on AI and machine learning because these techniques allow you to uh, deploy automation and or robotics in unstructured environments allow you to go after these tasks that humans have done for some time. So for me, AI started around 2015 as we were looking at new strategies for how we uh, run our buildings, how we leverage IIoT devices, uh, VFDs or PLCs, and how we bring it all together, leveraging data to drive the building. So for me, that started in 2015. And then that parlayed into robotics around 2017 as a focus on developing robotic solutions that can also fit in these locations where humans are and you know there from a robotic standpoint when you look at machine vision uh, being able to classify packages being able to identify packages like a human does that brought on a need for ai plus uh, again moving a robot around these environments where people are uh, certainly brings on AI as well, as you look at things like reinforcement learning, path planning uh, and the like. So I would say over the course of years, uh, a lot of time in automation uh, expanded as we needed to go to AI for complex environments, expanded more as I started to look at robots as a need for UPS.
1: Excellent, so you you, you already mentioned AI and machine learning and quite a few of the different applications. And I think a lot of times, you know, these are just buzzwords that get thrown around a boardroom, but UPS is implementing some some very real and very exciting technologies that are based on artificial intelligence in machine learning, some of which you've already mentioned. Um, so, you know, I wanted to talk today about what the future of, you know, supply chain, logistics, material handling looks like, and then specifically how uh, UPS uses automation, robotics, and AI to, to enable that future Um, I think most of our listeners are going to be familiar with UPS, you know, as a a global leader in the logistics market. Um, But can you give us just a quick introduction to the team you lead or maybe, you know, something that the average person wouldn't know about UPS?
0: So the team that I lead now is, as you mentioned, in the advanced technology group. The advanced technology group uh, really started uh, three or four years ago. Now we've been working on advanced solutions prior to that. So this team though was developed to target the future. So we, you know, if you think about it on a day-to-day basis, people have their jobs that they focus on and UPS made an investment to focus on the future with a cross-functional team that can take a look at current state of art and then leverage a bunch of people working together with a common goal to bring that technology forward. And and on that team, I lead the robotics and automation team. Our our focus is developing robotic solutions for UPS, leveraging automation in ways that we currently are not doing today, and then really bringing it all together under a a systems level approach where we bring. Robots, automation, intelligent systems, and machines, along with data, to allow us to develop a future with future technology, and do that now, opposed to waiting, um, you know, five or ten years from now. And certainly, it's been a, a great uh, opportunity to head this team up. Uh, in the team, we have what I call systems engineers, so that could be mechanical, electrical engineers. Um, We also have people that are robotics engineers looking at the software and hardware developed from the robots, and also PhD-level talent that can look at the reinforcement learning, machine vision, and uh, path planning for uh, robotics and automation inside and outside of the building. Then we're also looking at new hub modalities, like how can we uh, develop the next generation of build-ins to again bring all of these technologies under one roof and make it data driven uh, opposed to a human driven process as much as possible. Can,
1: can you talk a little bit about how the focus of your team has has shifted over time? Knowing that the advanced technologies group, maybe a better question is how has the focus of UPS um, shifted over time with with regards to technology? How long has AI and robotics been? you know, something that's, that's being realistically implemented.
0: That's an interesting question. You know, as it relates to uh, UPS, we, we are developing solutions today. We've been leveraging automation for a long time. I think we have really perfected, you know, sorting and all those different types of tasks. So I would say where things have evolved is we want to go now more into our our legacy buildings and evaluate what can we do in the legacy buildings that have been around since the 1980s to uh, upgrade them, if you will, to the latest technology. So I would say the focus is, how do we build new, we call Greenfield, how do we go into existing, we call Brownfield, and make those solutions uh, better than what they are today. How do we make our overall network more, uh, deterministic and also data driven and, and, and then leverage the needed technology to do that. So I would say that our focus has been more on, uh, uh making our network as robust as possible, leveraging technologies like robots and automation and AI and things of the like to do that. And as we do that, it enables us to do a couple of things. One is, it allows us to meet the demands of our customer. Our customer is looking for packages to ship sooner and faster at a cheaper price. And also, when you think about the, the pandemic, COVID-19, it has introduced yet another layer because people are very... Uh, um, now concern around proximity, right? Some people are concerned about the proximity with the pandemic. Can you be within six feet? When can that happen? What happens when a pandemic happens? What does that do to your overall supply chain? What does that do to your overall operations? So that has added another layer to drive the group to develop what I call a reduced touch network where we can operate in pandemic situations with reduced touch as, as much as possible when needed. Uh, certainly, it doesn't mean that humans are not important because at the end of the day, even with all of the latest uh, trends in technology and AI, AI doesn't do judgment well just yet. So you, you still need humans in the process for those uh, processes that require a lot of judgment. So we would leverage AI technology robots to do work that is is available where technology uh, matches up with current state of art.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's a really interesting point that, that you brought up about where the resources are being focused right now and more more of the brownfield applications instead of the greenfield applications. I think uh, yeah, I'd like to get your opinion on this. you know the, the, um, there's like a diminishing return as, as we continue to invest in these greenfield applications, but there's there's some low hanging fruit out there in a lot of these brownfield um, facilities where uh, maybe the efficiency is is, is not as, as high as, as a new install plant or a new installed facility um, so we can target these, you know, advanced technologies in, in kind of unique ways to adapt to the current state of the brownfield and then kind of bring it up, maybe not uh, to the same level as a greenfield, but at least uh, take advantage of, of the low hanging fruit that's there. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, no, I, I think so. And I think at the, at the end of the day, our, our overall goal is to keep our customer at top of mind. So, if we are going to continue to be competitive to meet up with customer demand, we have to think about the, the network level view. And that is our whole network, not just Greenfield. Um, to your point, you mentioned you know there, there's, a, there's a certain level of return that you get out of upgrading an automated site. Certainly that's important. But if we truly want to uh, meet demands of our customer, it means we have to have a network level view that brings in the brownfield where we can go into those existing jobs and rethink using latest technology. I will say that when you go into a brownfield facility, it is certainly more complex because these brownfield facilities and these job setups that are in these brownfield facilities, they were made for humans. They were not made Mm -hmm. for robots. They were not made for sorters and singulators and all these new technologies that go at 500 feet per minute. So there are challenges fitting within those locations, the same technology that I would put in an automated system. So we have to kind of think in terms of how do we do this with an economic mindset or, you know, we, we have to kind of have a good economic model and at the same time fit within these type spaces that were made for humans.
1: So shifting the, the conversation a little bit from the, the network level problem to the, the local or discrete um, problem, you know, we look at the, the beginnings of, of robotics in the automotive industry, very repetitive tasks, very you know, controlled environments. How do you adapt you know, an application like robotics from, from such an environment where you know, we have very tight control over all, all of the different variables to something that's that's much less controlled and has higher variability like assortation and uh, handling application?
0: So, so that's a great question. So in order to be able to do the work I just described, right, going to a brownfield facility, you, you need a couple of things, there are several, right? You you need the right sensors in order to give you the feedback. One main driver will be uh, vision. So just like humans operating in these environments can see what's happening and make the adjustments. The the robot will need to understand what's happening in the scene or in the environment. It needs to be able to differentiate different packages, different package types, and and then therefore respond according to what is being seen. So if you think about a corrugated box versus a poly bag, those are two different types of materials to have to move. Therefore, the robot must be able to adjust, and machine vision is a critical component To being able to allow the robot or automation for that matter to make the necessary adjustments. The other component would be gripping technology. Gripping technology is extremely important because it's one thing to see it, identify it, and to know what it is. It's totally another thing to be able to grab it and move it and do something with it, especially at the rates that we operate under within our facility. So we certainly want to think about how we use robots, automation, and all of that. We definitely do not want to uh, make our uh, facilities and current operations less effective by leveraging technology that goes slower. So that's, that's another challenge that goes with that um, as well. We want to operate at human parity or better. The other thing is that if, if we have technologies or autonomous mobile robots that are moving around the facility, that technology must be able to navigate in tight environments or open environments or operate around people that are working in these environments in such a way where it can be effective. Uh, one of the things you, you find is you deploy these AMRs or ADVs, depending on how you want to classify which is which and what's what, but Um, how these things move around will be heavily dependent on the environment. And centrifuging and path planning and uh, mapping systems, all those things are critical as well for the robot to navigate in these, again, uh, human-based environments.
1: Can can you talk about um, your perception of how uh, computation plays into the advancements of these technologies versus... Maybe changes in the algorithm. Uh, you know, when you said machine vision, I think that's certainly a place where we see maybe some limitations in, in computation. Certainly, machine learning. What's your perspective on that?
0: Well, you definitely need the computing power at the edge in order to operate uh, at the level needed. So, you know, the, the developing these algorithms is one thing, and then having them operate. Uh, closer to the edge, on the edge of device, or operating in the cloud, as needed. You need the ability to um, classify, right? You need the ability to make those decisions at a reasonable rate. Uh, so you need the computational power to do that. So it's it's a separate thing to to identify it, right? If you had all the time in the world and and you could take forever to do it, that's one thing. But to classify it. Of uh, the package, identify the package, identify the team, and make decisions in a time frame that matters is a total, totally another uh, uh, problem to solve so it 's not just the technical ability to do it or the AI involved or the um, the concept behind it it 's also being able to do it at a good ROI at a good rate as well.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think you know, the, the other point there is uh, working in an industrial environment or, you know, an extreme environment where a sortation certainly could be classified as such where there's dust and, you know, sometimes high temperatures or low temperatures. Um, it's there's not always a one to one correlation as far as the, you know, computation that's available, uh, you know, in the consumer market or, you know, uh, in at the university level versus what's available in an industrialized uh, package. So I think that's another consideration.
0: It's one thing to do it in a lab and to think about it in terms of academia. It's another thing to put this thing in the, our environment and run it at a production level. Those are two separate uh, categories.
1: Absolutely. So so one thing that uh, we see in, in the manufacturing side of the world, um, in the machine building side of the world, is the effects of mass customization and uh when i say that there there's a you know the traditional uh automation approaches make everything uh as standard as possible um and uh, produce as many of them as you can um we're seeing a shift from from that kind of uh methodology to something where every product coming down the line could be unique and customized by uh, by the end customer um so you know for example you can go Uh, onto a shoe manufacturer's website and pick the custom colors that you want, the style, the design, it'll get made uh, custom for you on the same line as as every other uh, shoe that that gets made. So, you know, what we see in manufacturing is that um, companies are implementing automation and robotics in a way in an adaptive way to, to handle those kind of mass customization requirements. I'm curious if you see that uh, demand, uh, impacting the logistics and material handling side of the business, and, and if so, uh, you know what what kind of technologies are important in in uh, approaching that problem.
0: Well, I think you know that's a great question, and I do think that you know from a customization standpoint for UPS, it will be more about uh, being able to meet the demand of the customer. So each customer uh, may have a certain way they want their package shipped, or they may need it at, at different times. Uh, you, you're finding more and more that people want uh, their packets delivered sooner at a cheaper price point, as I mentioned before. So that means that our network as a whole must adapt to the demand of the customer. So there's a whole separate conversation around the network level changes that uh, could be made as you bring more product closer to the home and then be able to make those deliveries from within X amount of um, miles from the customer's home to get to like a same day service. Uh, outside of that, so there's customization there in terms of customer demand. Then outside of that, there's also the uh, different types of packages that we at UPS must uh, uh, process through our facilities and our hubs. So we, 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 we have to ensure that whatever we develop, it is a solution that works for us. So if I go out to a vendor and say, hey, look, I would like for you to build for me something that works, a largely are going to take something that they're using or leveraging for the industry and apply it to UPS. When you when you do that, your ability to adapt 100% is not there because we have a mix that other customers uh, may not have from a package standpoint. So, we need a customized solution, customized vision, customized scripting and or reactions that, that adhere to our operations. So there's customization there as well. And as customers, uh, leverage technology more and more and demands change more and more, it will require UPS to adapt to our customer needs to deliver in ways that we are, maybe we're not doing today. So, as new opportunities open up new revenue opportunities, new delivery opportunities, then customization happens because we um, we may or may not be delivering in that way, but you know internally ATG and others at UPS will develop what is needed to meet customer demand.
1: What would you say is the most important? Differentiating technology for UPS, and if you can't give a specific example, maybe you can um, just just uh, say maybe it's at the network level or you know at the sortation level. Where do you see that?
0: For me, I think the I think the thing that differentiates UPS is our uh, expansive network, our network, our centers, our hubs, the you know, our ability to uh, move efficiently. In our network is a differentiator, and as you you think about this notion of this, you know, AI-driven supply chain, it puts UPS in the position to leverage that network uh, to to meet customer demand. And you may have seen in the news, we have like two simple, the autonomous feeder, we have drones that we're using to to, to do deliveries, uh, the Waymo van that we're leveraging. We'll build upon those different technologies as we adapt new solutions to our, what we call our smart logistics network. Uh, Specifically, it could be those things I mentioned. Um, One of the front runners right now from a technology standpoint is a drone. The drone opens up opportunity to make deliveries in a way where we weren't thinking before or the industry wasn't thinking before or if they were thinking about it, but had not had the opportunity uh, the various companies probably didn't have the opportunity to uh, leverage the technology. And UPS has demonstrated the ability to be a front runner in that space. And to me, I see that technology expanding, uh, so much, uh, because we can leverage CBS, uh, type deliveries, delivery, delivery, uh, in other ways, which obviously more will come as we unravel our plans to leverage, to leverage drone technology. Then outside of that, you know, just think about other things. If you could use your imagination on robotics and automation, we will continue to push the limits of what we will do there. And as those things come um, into the light, uh, you'll hear more about them.
1: Excellent. What would you consider as is the biggest challenge that's facing the logistics and supply, supply chain industry as as a whole right now? And maybe even a two-part question, um, since I think the, the you know, recent global pandemic of COVID-19 has maybe changed uh, some of those challenges and priorities. So maybe what, what was it uh, three months ago and, and what is it today?
0: Well, I think it's the same. I, I think the COVID-19 as an example, it only, it only speeds up the desire to have a solution, right? I think to be competitive in the market, Everyone needs to think about how they are leveraging technology and AI and how it applies to their network. When you have a pandemic, it just speeds it up because now you you need to think about these contingencies um, that didn't exist before. So before three months, um, uh, uh, you know, well, we weren't thinking about proximity to people. But in order to truly, in my mind, this is my my thought. In order to truly get the, the technology going as a whole, you know, I'm talking network level uh, down to the the node on the network, down to the um, robot or automation working in the facility. You really not you really need an ecosystem that is digitized. So in the building and the network. So a challenge will be as you start to put uh, autonomous feeders and autonomous vans. Out on the out on the road, and you do deliveries even inside the building. Uh, your older assets in the building or out on the road need to be digitized to truly get the full potential of these new assets that are moving in this uh, smart logistics network or AI-driven supply chain. Um, and that is a challenge really for everyone because. If I have an autonomous car, as an example, I may use LiDAR technology and vision and all those things, it will work better if infrastructure is digitized, stop signs, uh, you know, and, and various things of that nature, the road itself, because now that technology can leverage more data points in, an, in the environment to make them work better. Uh, certainly, we could do that without the infrastructure being smart, um, so we will do that. Everyone will do that. We continue to push the limits based off the current world we live in. Certainly, it will get better as we digitize the infrastructure, the existing infrastructure that's been around forever. And that's inside the building and it's out on the road as well.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting point. There's kind of two approaches to solving some of these you know, uh, automated problems, like an autonomous vehicle, like you're saying. One is to to enable the system to adapt better to let's call it the brownfield environment um, uh, you know yeah. being able to identify a stop sign and speed limit signs and you know interpret traffic and those kind of things and then the other approach is hey let's actually change that environment, make it more controlled and make it uh, you know more suitable more favorable to automated technology so it's it's interesting to see um, you know where the convergence of those two is is going to end up. yeah no it's exciting exciting time. So let's say you had an unlimited budget, unlimited resources. Um, none of that was an issue, which of course it is. Um, what, what would you do differently or what problem would you be able to solve more quickly?
0: Well, you know, that's an interesting question. I mean, to me, if, know, if, I'll, I'll be specific to UPS for a moment, um, when you think about all of our buildings that are there today, uh, that are from the 1980s up to this point, uh, certainly, if we could replicate, you know, any of that uh, at a, at, a, at a different location, and then have the whole building just purely replicated for us to, uh, you know, navigate through with technology, evaluating what we can do different. That that, that certainly could speed us up, because when you, whenever you're trying to develop something new in a world where you have to run your business every day and the windows of opportunities are tight, um, certainly there can be some challenges. UPS navigates that and we're very smart in terms of how we introduce technology. Certainly can go faster if you can turn off operations, if you will, or disrupt operations and install whatever you need with no risk. Uh, That doesn't exist, so uh, that's one thing. And then outside, you know, talking about the, you know, different types of deliveries with drone or autonomous vehicles or any of those things, if we had, you know, unlimited money and we could invest in the environments that we're operating in to make them smart, to me, that speeds up uh, the feeder delivery uh, and then any of the other deliveries that we want to make because... We can, you know, as mentioned before, create an environment more conducive to these robots that are on the road or in the air, quite frankly. Uh, those are the two things I think I, I, would, I would kind of focus on.
1: So we've talked a lot about some of the different ways that UPS is leveraging technology like AI, machine learning, robotics, um, automation in, in general. Um, from solving these kind of network level problems, looking at all of the different UPS facilities and destinations, and, and how these things coordinate together, down to you know the discrete problems of sortation and handling, uh, moving something from point A to point B with you know autonomous mobile robots and the like. Um, this is a, not so much a technical question, but how do you as as a leader manage such broad implementations of technology? How do you uh, you know from day to day kind of uh, shift your focus? You know,
0: that's an interesting question, and, and one of the things I mentioned early on is that UPS made an investment in um, what I call the Advanced Technology Group. So Advanced Technology Group not only works on robots and automation, they also have a network level view in terms of what, what can we do next. Uh, we also look at IIoT devices in terms of what we can do. And and there's a number of other things that we focus on. So, the way that we are able to handle this broad perspective is that you build sound teams uh, that are driven in experience. You know, as mentioned, I have 25 years of experience at UPS. Uh, Another guy on my team, 31 years of experience. And then you, and then you, around that experience, you put the technical expertise that is needed. So robotics engineers or PhD level talent. And once, when, you, when you're when you able to build these uh, diverse teams and these teams can co-mingle working together shoulder to shoulder, it allows you to take on a lot because you are looking at the solution from various perspectives and you can iterate very quickly and that leads to you solving complex problems uh, in a world where you don't really have a lot of time to uh, interrupt operations um, but you certainly make sure that when you do develop something, it has a high high uh, reliability, good ROI, and, and good chances of, of working uh, when we do install in the build or on the road or wherever the implementation is going. So simple summary, I, I guess, would be good sound cross-functional teams.
1: So I'm I'm interested to know um, when when we look at a lot of these technologies like robotics, drones, you've mentioned, autonomous vehicles, you've mentioned. Um, I think you know customer perception is is always a topic that comes up. So what have you been hearing from the market from from your customers regarding um, their perception of some of these new technologies um, that, that your team has been working on?
0: To be honest, I think today our customers are open. I think everyone, um, I think we, we're at a point where everyone sees a need for technology. You know, again, the backdrop, COVID, uh, people are more receptive to trying something new, trying different technology. Now, I will say that as you roll out technology, as you roll out robots, you also really need to think in terms of how it looks. There is a, an uh, 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 effort that has to go into making the robot, uh, uh, you know, more appealing to humans or people that these robots will be working around, and that's just an ongoing effort that you have to kind of deal with when you're developing something new. Um, but I will say that people are open um, to new new solutions, robots, drones, um, and the like, because all of us are really coming to the conclusion at the same time that if we have a situation where there is a rampant pandemic um, going around, then we need an alternate way to make deliveries. We we cannot allow our overall uh, US supply chain for that matter, suffer when we have these types of situations. So I think as a result of that, people are definitely open to any and all technology however we need to keep in mind still uh, how it looks and how it's perceived uh, as we roll these things out
1: could could you uh talk to that a little bit more what is important um about how it looks um what is the ideal look uh so, so to speak
0: well you know that's a, that's a tough one <laughs> that so, to to answer because it all it all depends. I think if you look at the younger generation, they're more receptive to robots because they're coming up in this this era of technology. People that have been uh, around longer maybe not as receptive, but it really it really depends on um, the individual, right? You know, and I think that the, the also it's the the movement of the robot, right? If the robot is moving in in, in a certain way. That can, you know, make people, uh, uh, you know, a little concerned. Um, but I think that it's our job to ensure that we, we bring all the right safety elements to the solutions that we develop, that we do surveys to figure out how do we adjust the look and feel of the robot so that, you know, it, it can meet the customer, um, meet customer concerns, quite frankly. And then, as we do that, we, we we develop with our customer in mind. And with the with today's technology, we can certainly leverage um, our customer opinion and allow them to have their package moved or delivered in the way that they want. So that that's the UPS is very customer focused, and we, we we will continue to be customer focused in, in all of the technologies that we roll out.
1: So you mentioned um, surveys and interacting with customers is one of the ways that uh, UPS is working to build customer confidence um, and uh, just customer acceptance in these you know, increasingly automated systems and solutions. Is there anything else that UPS is doing, maybe from a marketing perspective, um, to, to try to build some comfort in these technologies?
0: Well, I would say that... You you may see um, in the news more and more, we do press releases. So we, we do press releases on technologies that uh, we roll out and that we develop. Um, that's something that we started doing um, in recent years. Uh, for the most part, a lot of our customers are internal, right? So there's internal customer and then there's external customer. For our external customer, I would say the press releases and then showing them uh, the solutions that we're developing, uh, a drone is a perfect example, Waymo is another example, 2Simple is another example. And as we do those press releases, certainly we get feedback in that way as well uh, in terms of customer reaction to what uh, is being deployed. And in that message, as we deploy, certainly we echo why we're doing it, how it helps. And, and, and again, I want to, I want to mention that any of this work that we do, is all about the customer. How do we allow our customer to get the package in the way that they want and meet their demand in terms of when they want their package? So it's everything we do is customer focused.
1: So what what are some of the new things that you're working on right now? Understanding you may not be able to give us the latest and greatest that's currently uh, in, in R&D, but uh, something that you can share, what, what are you most excited about?
0: Um, that one's a little trickier in that we, we, we're we thinking about the end-to-end supply chain is what, what I can say, our our smart logistics network. So I mentioned several of those components. If you think about origin to destination, what has to happen? We have the Too Simple for those feeder runs. We have the Waymo van we're looking at for uh, some deliveries in different ways. There's a number of technologies. I can't really pinpoint one uh, outside of what you heard already. Um, But if you think about the end-to-end supply chain, UPS is putting ourselves in a position to one be competitive, to do two. I'm sorry, to be ready for these pandemic-type situations, um, so that we can deliver in these times where the supply chain has been uh, stressed through through the. due to the pandemic and make sure we get our customers what they need. But in all of that, right, inside the building, outside the building, we're looking at robots, you know, from end to end, in the air, on the ground, um, to, in order to solve that solve that problem that we have in terms of ensuring our customers get their package when they need them um, and, and when they want them.
1: Excellent. So if people want to learn more about uh, some of the work that UPS is doing or specifically the Advanced Technology Group. um, Is there a good way for for them to do that?
0: Well, right now, we don't really have a a conduit out to the public other than these types of situations where we describe the work we do. I've been on several uh, panels and I've spoken about robotics and what UPS is doing. You'll see that we'll do more of that to kind of let everyone know what we're doing. And we'll we'll continue to create those opportunities to share our work. I think uh, I'm very proud of our team, the Advanced Technology Group, and also our extended uh, cross-functional teams within UPS and all the work that we're doing. You will definitely hear more of our work through those channels. And also, as we bring in people to work with us in more strategic ways, we'll continue to have robotic summits and or um, working with academia to bring them in for uh, a more extensive look into what we're doing. Um, you'll see more of that. And as we do that work, we'll publicize it on different channels, LinkedIn, Twitter, and so on. Um, but those are, those are the channels right now, but I would say there's just more to come, uh, as we expand our, our work. In-per-view.
1: Excellent. That's really exciting to hear. I'll, I'll definitely be uh, keeping myself in the loop on, on those, uh, different updates. Uh, so do you have any closing thoughts to share about UPS or any of the other uh, topics that we've discussed today, AI, machine learning, uh, robotics, and, and how UPS is implementing those?
0: Well, I'll say, you know, having uh, been in this space automation patient for 21 years in robotics and and the like, certainly this is the uh, best time uh, in, in really in my career and for the industry to be working on these types of problems. I believe uh, we have the computational power, the techniques in AI or or, uh, machine learning to solve these problems. And if there is a time to solve some of these complex problems, the time is now. The time is now in that the technology is here as mentioned. The time is, is now in that we must be ready for the next pandemic. You know, the this one caught us off guard, however, uh, we need to be ready when these types of things happen. And I, I guess the other thing would be UPS is very customer-driven and we want to ensure that we're competitive, that we are meeting the needs of our customer, and the advanced technology group working with our external partners uh, within UPS will be advancing these technologies, uh, pushing the limits of what's possible to move packages Uh, throughout the UPS network as needed uh, to to, uh, meet the demands of our customers.
1: Excellent, Greg. This was a really interesting conversation. I appreciate you taking the time to join me. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. In future episodes, we're going to be diving into exciting topics and common questions in automation, robotics, machine learning, IIoT, all of that fun stuff. We've got episodes lined up on machine vision, IoT, robotics, and more. We have special guests and special topics that you'll definitely want to keep an eye out for. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also check out the video version of the podcast on YouTube by searching This Is Automation. If you enjoyed the podcast, please let us know by leaving a review and a comment. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time on This Is Automation.